Woohoo! Amen. Had, had a good time, right? Had a good time. How many? How many still hungry? Yeah. <laughs> Man, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Man, just uh, you know, uh, I just thought you know, here it is Thanksgiving weekend that uh, maybe instead of just a sermon, we'd we'd have like a cooking show. Because, huh? you know, because I know a lot about this <laughs> cooking thing. Mr. Beautiful. Amen. It was a gift from somebody with class. Huh? Did it look good? Beautiful. Thank you. All right. We're going to cook today. We're gonna, let's get cooking. Amen. We're going to cook today. Because, uh, you know, one, one of the things that we're wanting to do is we, we want to lead you into a place where you, where you have insane victory in every realm of your life. I think that when you get out of bed in the morning, hell ought to be upset. Because you're, you're, you're going to launch from the house and go demonstrate Satan's defeat. Right? Uh, you're going you're gonna to live a lifestyle that humiliates hell. And instead of running scared from the enemy, I think the enemy ought to be running scared from you. Right? Jesus said, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest. Or the Bible said. Jesus didn't say it. But it says, uh, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. How many believe that Jesus was successful in fulfilling his purpose while on earth? Well, then he destroyed the works of the evil one. You know, what does that mean? That means that he annihilated he rendered powerless. Well, wait a minute. The devil's real. Yeah, he is real. Well, he's, he's messing with me. And I, and I think there's, there's different places. The Bible also says, give no place to the devil. Now, the word place is a position of effectual opportunity. Don't give the enemy a position of effectual opportunity in your life. Right in this world, there's tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome that. Right, First John it says that if you are of God, if you're born of God, then you already have victory and you have already overcome the evil one. You already have victory. If you're in Christ, you already have it, but you've got to quit giving place to the enemy. And I think a lot of times we, we, we latch on to promises, and that's good. We want the promises of God, and we want to see the promises of God produced in our life. But we get a little bit irritated when we're doing everything that we think we should, but the promise isn't being produced. And then we make statements like, well, I, I guess it isn't true. Well, I guess it's not for, for us. You know, you look at somebody else whose their life is flourishing, and you think that, well, God, God must play favorites. God must like them. Or I'll tell you what it is, is we've made too many mistakes, or we've made too many wrong decisions, or we've acted wrong too often. And so we're just going to have to learn to live without that. And see, that, that's given the enemy place. Because the reality of it is, is that God has a plan for your life, and it's to prosper you, not to harm you. It's to give you hope and to give you future. But a lot of us, we're not, we're not winding up with, with the end result that we desire, and, and we're, we're looking at everything. We've got, it seems like we've got all the ingredients that it takes to produce that, but we're still not getting what... what you know, we feel and what we see that God is speaking and we're not seeing it in our life. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I want you to know that God wants you to possess every single promise that he's given you. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen. What does that mean? They're, they're mine. They're mine. I don't have to live without them. I said I don't have to live without them. I can have what God says I can have. 
Anything in that book, it's mine. Hello? But a lot of times, you know, come on, let's, you know, you don't, you don't have to get, you know, just, just get in mental agreement. You don't have to wave a white hanky or anything right here. But, but, but a lot of times in our life, we're looking at other people and we're not seeing what, you know, that in our life. And it can get frustrating. It can get actually disappointing. I think that's what the enemy wants you to do is to wind up disappointed. Because your, your appointment, your appointment, that's where your power is at. That's where your authority is at. That's where, uh, you know, the anointing operates in your life is in your appointment. The word, the prefix dis means to push down or press out of. The enemy wants to press you out of your appointment. You know, anytime reality collides with expectation, the door to disappointment swings open. And there's things that you're expecting, and then you have a reality that's not in alignment with what you expected, and all of a sudden you become disappointed. You're pushed out of your position of authority, your position of anointing. So the enemy would love to disappoint you. And you, you do all the work, you go through all this stuff, and then, you, then you're not getting what you were expecting. And, you know, I don't know, maybe we're making a tape for people who aren't here, but I think, that, I think for a lot of us, that's, that's a part of our life. You ever gone to somebody's house? They invited you over for a meal and fellowship, and you're going to have, you know, a good time together, and you get there, and they put something on the table, and I mean it's to die for. You're like, dang, that is that right there. That rocks my world. I'm a food guy. Surprise. Okay. And, and, uh, uh, and, you, and, and you're looking at it, and, and you're going, man, that is awesome. So on the way home, you, you are planning when you're going to make it. And then you make what they made, and you put on the table what they served. But what you got is not what they gave you. Huh? Ever had that experience? That you, you, you go, oh, oh, help me, Jesus. we got to eat this. And uh, it's, it's not the same. And you got all the same ingredients, but it's not the same. You know, you ever, you ever walk down the aisle... Safeway or Winco or Walmart or wherever it is you go. Down the cake aisle. I dig the cake aisle. And you're looking at the boxes. And, man, some of them stores, it goes on for like a mile. And sometimes, you know, when, I, when I'm short on my mileage, i got to get another quarter mile in or so. I just do it down the cake aisle. <laughs> All those pictures and... and uh, you grab one of the boxes and you go home and you throw it together and you pull it out and what comes out does not look like what's on the box cover. What's happening? Well, we got all the ingredients. But somewhere along the line, we haven't followed the instructions. Come on now. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, he's preaching to you today. You got the recipe card. There's, there's a reason. There's a reason. There's instructions. You know, we take, we take the Bible. Everything in that book is good for us. But you've got to follow the instructions. You know, it's, it's really cool when you get started, isn't it? You know, you go get that little bread box thing at the Bible bookstore. You set it on the table. You pull out a promise for today. That's awesome. And you pull one out, and it's Isaiah 54, 17 or 18. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against you, you can condemn, for this is the heritage of the children of the living God, saith the Lord. And you're going, that is my promise today. The only problem is, is that you don't get verse 17 until you've done verse 1 through 16. But we're hanging on to verse 17, looking around, wondering how come everything that's formed against us prospers. Huh? 
Man, there's stuff that ain't even formed yet, and it's prospering against us. What's going on? Well, you've got you to you, you follow the instructions. So today we're going to cook. We're going to cook. We're going we're gonna to get you to, where, uh, to where, you can, where you can take the Word of God. And I've got to tell you something. I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe you don't, haven't figured this out yet, but I love the Word of God. I mean, I love the Word of God. I love the fact that, you know, in, in Amos it says, you know, He has shown you, O man, what is good, to love mercy, to do justly, to walk humbly with your God. I love the fact that God has invited us to walk with Him every day. And I, and, and I like the fact that in, in Amos 3.3 3 it says, How can two walk together except they be agreed? So the only way you can walk with God is to agree with God. The only way you can agree with God is to know what God said. See, well, you know, the grace of God's going to cover me. No, it isn't. Grace is not a blanket you're hiding under. Grace is an empowering agent that operates in your life that gives you the strength to do anything that God's asked you to do. Stuff that you couldn't accomplish on your own yesterday, suddenly there's an ability above your ability that empowers you to do what God's asked you to do. So you can walk in agreement with God because he's going to empower you to do it. That's what his grace is. That's what, that's what he was talking about in Philippians 4 when he said, I have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. That power of grace operating in my life, that's strength for anything. It doesn't make any difference what it looks like, feels like, tastes like, smells like. I got what I need to live in victory today. But we've got to follow the instructions. Another verse for you. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. Study the word of God. How many of you know there's a difference between reading the book and studying the word of God? You know, maybe, just maybe, uh, the reason you're not seeing a lot of of, uh, progress in different areas of your life is because you've been reading, but you haven't been studying. Mark 4.24 in in the Amplified, Mark Mark 4.24 says, uh, be careful with what you hear. Be careful with what you hear. For the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. If you don't give any thought or study to the truth you hear, then you're not going to have any virtue. What's that? Power. The ability to produce results. You know, let me be really pastoral for just a minute, just so it's on the tape for those people who aren't here. Um, if you come to services and, 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 and you think, well, I'm just going to listen and then we'll go out and, and, and I'll grasp this, you're crazy. You know, you're going to have to take some notes. You know, or buy a, or, 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 you know, buy, buy a CD, they're eighty nine ninety five. Just kidding. We give them to you. But, you know, you've you got you to invest yourself if you're going to grow yourself. Right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta carve some time out of your calendar where you're gonna sit down and actually give thought and study to the truth you hear so that it has power to change you. James put it this way. He said, receive with meekness the, the engrafted word of God, which has the power to save your soul. Your soul's the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. He said, you gotta receive the word of God. That has the power to change you. But, but if you're not positioning yourself, and I, and I just got to tell you, and, and I, wish, I wish that you could come to a service, listen to me uh, preach, and walk out radically changed. But I ain't that good. You know, I, I can't change you. It takes the power of God operating 
to change you. And it takes, it takes a participation on your part. You know, outside of that, we just hang and we, we build a relationship. We're, we're becoming friends. But the problem is, is that what's really going to make a difference in your life is not your relationship with Todd. It's going to be your relationship with God. Now, Todd and God sound a lot alike, but they are not anything. Well, sorry. <laughs> I love you, man. Everybody say, I love you, Todd. Love you, Todd. Amen. So, uh, you know, op- I want you to open, open your book. Go to Philippians chapter 2, and, uh, and we're going to read a passage of Scripture. I, today, I just want to teach you how to study the Bible. Just real quick, just want to teach you how to study the Bible. And, and, uh, and, and in your notes, uh, just write this down. There's, there's, four, there's four areas that you want to look at when you're studying a passage of Scripture. And basically four questions you're going to ask, but the four different areas. And the first one is observation. Everybody say observation. Number two is interpretation. Say interpretation. Number three is correlation. Four is application. So you got observation, interpretation, correlation, and application. And, you, you know, you, you got all the ingredients there in that book. But you got to, this will help you find the directions to use those ingredients to successfully create the desired end result. Okay? Uh, before we jump in here, let me just tell you a little bit about Philippians. Philippians is a letter written by Paul. Paul's in prison. He's in Rome. He'd been teaching about Jesus. They weren't really accepting that right there and so he ends up in prison and to be in prison in rome you have to understand something that they didn't feed you they didn't give you water you had to have a benefactor somebody had to come by and take care of you and if they didn't there's a great chance that you'd die before trial and so he's writing this letter thanking them for their support because without it he'd die and in philippians 2 starting at verse 19 He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everybody else looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard that he had been ill. Indeed, he was ill. He almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you'll be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you couldn't give me. You know, a lot of times when we're reading a passage like this, uh, I think if most of us were honest, we'd get to a passage like this and there's a part of us that just wants to like just skip. You know, some really cool verses, you know, little verses in the first part of Philippians 2 that, that, that we really like, you know, because it's, you know, man, if you've received anything from being in the fellowship of the body of Christ, do me a favor, love one another, agree with each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't, don't push your way to the top, but love others enough to... And, and, you know, you start reading those scriptures and you go, man, I like that stuff. But you get to this and it's like, wow, 
That, you know, I'm not exactly sure what that's going to do for me. And then you go and you jump past there and you go down to something else that kind of makes sense to you. But if you if, see, if you don't understand how to really take the book and break it down and ask the right questions, you're going to miss some crazy good stuff. Because uh, just in these, in, in, in these scriptures right here that we just read, um, you're going to find out that there's some amazing things for our life. I think the problem is, is that a lot of us, you know, is asking, is asking the right questions, but the problem is we don't know which questions to ask. So when you, when you break this down this way, look what this does. Let's just take observation. Observation simply means, what does this passage say? What does it say? And, you know, if you were writing it down, you might write down similar things to what I wrote down. Well, it says in this passage that Paul wants to send these guys to Philippi. It says in this passage that Paul endorses these men as role models in the faith. Remember, he said, I, speaking of Timothy, I have nobody else like him. I don't, I, uh, he says about Epaphroditus, honor him and honor men like him. I mean, how cool is that? You, you know, Paul is probably uh, the second most important character in the book. You know, we got Jesus, of course, who's, who's number one. But think about this. Paul, he, he wrote most of the New Testament. This is a pretty powerful dude. Uh, and think, think what it would be like, you know, to, to, you know, to have a letter written about you by somebody of this influence saying, uh, hey, here's what, I, here's what I want you to do, okay? Uh, I, I want you to receive Ryan because I don't have anybody else like Ryan. Man, Ryan is cool. Wouldn't it be awesome to have that written about you? Wouldn't it be awesome to have somebody that level of influence say, here's what I want you to do. You, you see Clayton? I want you to honor men like Clayton. Amen. Well, if he's saying it about these guys, there's a, doesn't it just make sense that we probably ought to want to be like these guys? I want to be like these guys. You know, well, what does it mean to be like these guys? Verse 20. In 21, he says they take a genuine interest in the church. Verse 22, it says he's proven himself. Verse 25, he's my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. Verse 26, he longs for you. Verse 27, he almost killed himself working for Christ. Well, that's observation. Just write those things down. Just, just, follow, just follow the recipe, okay, the, the, uh, observation. Just, just do it. You know, you got a passage of Scripture. What does it say? Because it's kind of like, you know, if, if you were going to make some fancy little cupcakes, you know, and you got your cupcake tin. And uh, you mix your batter and you pour it in there and you put it in the oven and you pull it out and you can't get the blobs out of the thingamajigger because they're stuck in there. But had you followed the instructions, you would have known that, oh, yeah, I got to spray some gook on there first. Right? So that when I'm done, I can go and the stuff that I want will come out. You got, you got to follow the instructions. Some of those instructions don't make sense to you. Or at least they don't make sense to me. I know they don't make sense to you either. We had, we had a family member. I don't, don't want to mention which one because it always embarrasses Sam. But um, she made us, uh, she was going to bless us one time a few years back. And uh, she was going to uh, make some brownies for us. And let me tell you how good they were. I mean, nobody makes brownies like she made brownies. Her, they were so good. They hung around for over two years. I used them. I used them as a doorstop because I don't know what she did or what she didn't do, but they came out and it was like it wasn't. It wasn't what she thought it was. It, they were little bricks, and I mean they were heavy and they were harder than rock. And I'd set them out there where everybody could see them and use them as a doorstop. How'd that happen? 
uh, she didn't follow the instructions. When's provision going to explode in my life? When are you going to follow the instructions? When's healing going to manifest in my body? When are you going to follow the instructions? Um, so that's observation. But let's look at interpretation. And that question simply asks, what does this passage mean? How many of you know that you've got you to give some thought and study to understand what the, what, what the Bible means? You know, what's it mean? What's it mean to you? Frankly, Scarlett, that's not the point. What did they mean? You know, if, if, if you got a copy of an email that I sent to Keith, and in the email it said, Keith, stop pulling my leg. You, you'd kind of know what that meant, wouldn't you? That, that he's, he's messing with me, he's, he's joshing, he's, he's playing around, and I'm saying, no, quit, quit making jokes and let's get real. Quit pulling my leg. What if we sent that same email to our friends in Nepal? And they read it. And they'd think, Keith is trying to pull Tom's leg. They would picture Keith pulling my leg. You know, you've got to be careful if you, when you go on these mission trips, you know. Uh, you can't get up and, 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 uh, and talk about your kids back home. I've got three kids. And the interpreter says, he has three goats. And, and I, I, I really love my kids. He really loves his goats. Uh, I take my kids to school. He has very intelligent goats. You know, you, you kind of you got to give some thought and study or you really don't know what it means. If you give the thought, guess what you find out here? You find out that he gives five characteristics for a godly man. Right in this passage of Scripture that we just read. Five characteristics. And, 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 and I think everybody ought to perk up right about now and, and really take some notes. I think this applies to everybody in the room. I think the single ladies, all the single ladies... I just love saying that. Single ladies. All the single ladies ought to take copious notes. I think you ought to write this in the margins of your Bible. You should put a ring on it. Um, so the single men, the single men, <laughs> getting, getting good at this, huh? Okay, you single men, you, you need to take notes to find out whether you're worthy or just a creep. Okay, uh, married women, married women, look at me right now. Do not... Do not mess with your husband today. Okay, leave him alone. Don't nudge him every time you hear one of the characteristics. All of you married men, one out of five is not something to brag about. Okay, so let's look at these five characteristics of a godly man. Because it, when you get into an interpretation, this is what we're going to find. And, and look at verse 21. Verse 21, he says, everyone looks out for his own interests. Does it shock you to know that in Paul's day... People were self-interested instead of thinking of others. That sounds kind of like our day, don't it? Everybody living for themselves. But he said, he's, he's talking about this guy, and he says, you know what? You know what's really awesome about him is that uh, he thinks about others first. So let me tell you the first characteristic. He cares about others. He cares. I think you got to write that down. He cares. He's a servant leader. His decisions are not based solely upon what's best for him. But he's, you know, he's concerned 
with the interests of Christ. In verse 22, he says, he's proved himself. He was a son, like a son with his father, who served with me in the work of the gospel. Um, He's consistent. Second characteristic we see here is that he's proved himself. That means he's consistent. You know, Paul's been with these guys in every circumstance, in every situation. and, And you know what he's found? He's found that they're consistent. They're not different at work than they are at church. Huh? Let me talk to the single ladies. If the dude you're hanging with is different here than he is across the street, it won't be long till you're hanging with him. Don't be with him. If he talks a different game in the building than he does, you know, down the road. Wrong guy. You know, he said, these guys are consistent. He's not different around his wife than he is around other women. Well, I feel like I'm preaching now. He doesn't, he doesn't act different in one environment than he does in another. He's consistent. Look at verse 25. I'll move on because the guys have that evil eye thing going. He said, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. I think this says he cooperates. I think the third characteristic is cooperation. He's not stuck on himself. It doesn't have to be his way. He's a team player. He's not a pretender. He can serve alongside you. He doesn't need to serve over you. He cooperates. Everybody say he cooperates. How many think that's kind of important? Look at verse 26. He's distressed. He longs for you. He's distressed because you heard he was ill. He was distressed because they were distressed. Epaphroditus was concerned that his illness would distract them from the cause. I think this says... That a godly man is considerate. He's considerate. He understands that the choices he makes, the life he lives, the person he becomes or doesn't become, impacts others. He never thinks, I don't care what they think. He's considerate. Look at verse 27. He was ill and almost died. God had mercy on him. Look at verse 30. Welcome him with the Lord, in the Lord, with great joy and honor men like him. You know, he almost died. He was courageous. He was courageous. A godly man has courage. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, all people have courage. A hero has courage five minutes longer. See, for a lot of us, when the going gets tough, we just get gone. Too many people are addicted to comfort, and that sabotages their courage. They're looking for the easy path, the easy road. 
But he said, you know what, in order to see this succeed, I'm willing to die. You know, I think it's important that you not only understand what the passage says, but it's important that you take time to figure out what it means. I think that's like getting... some of this and putting it in something like that. And taking some of this <laughs> We like that and it's going in there some of that. breaking down the ingredients, following the instructions. Next is correlation. Correlation asks the question, what else in the book can assist my understanding of this passage? How else can I broaden my understanding? If if, if Mark 4 says the level of thought and study I give determines the ability for that to produce power in my life, the ability to produce results, then I want to increase it. I want to show you guys something. For some, of the, for some of the younger generation, let me, let me start off and explain what this is. This is a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. But for some people, we need to break it down this way. This is a book. <laughs> and you read it. Um, you know, because we, you know, we got our devices. I have this in here. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, but, you know, th- this has every word in the Bible and every place it's used. And so if you wanted to check out more about Epaphroditus, all you'd have to do is open up to E, find Epaphroditus. It would tell you every place in the book that he was mentioned. And you could start going out and finding more and more and more and more and more about what it is that God's speaking to you about. You know, of course, we, you know, we've got uh, blueletterbible.org. We've got biblegateway.com. Love those things. And, but you need, you need to apply yourself. See, I think, I think a lot of us, you know, we're so used to driving up to a, to a fast service window where somebody else has done everything. You need to take time and invest yourself. I said, you need to take time and invest yourself. You want to be a follower of Christ. You, just, you don't want to be a church attender. Because let me, let me tell you what happens is, is that you, you, you start attending church and you start hanging out with, with people like us. And you're thinking, wow, they're cool. Just, just say amen. Thank you. You know, hey, we got a great team here. God's blessed us with a great team. Can, can I just tell you, let me just tell you, uh, I love my leadership team. And the guys that God has brought next to us because they, they make our life so easy. And, you know, and, and I, love, I love this house. I love the fact, you know, one day, think about it, one day, we're taking one day's wages and we're, we're sewing and we're, we're making a difference. And, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's awesome. But can I, let, let me just tell you, just so you understand, your leadership team, your leadership team on one day, one day was a great success. But I think it's somewhere between 20 and 25% of one day was given by your leaders. See, to me, that's, that's awesome. 
Because we're doing something. We got, we got teamwork. We got honor. We, we, we got this vision that's together. We, we got people who are... But see, if you just slide in and you just hang around and you're thinking, wow. And you listen to the stories and the breakthrough and the victory and you're thinking, well, if all, all I got to do is attend services. And you, you still live beat up from the street up. You're defeated. You ain't got no breakthrough. So you start trying to fake it. Yeah, I got victory. But you ain't really doing... You know what? Can I tell you something about, the, the, uh, about us? We, we have a recipe and we're following it. Speaking of recipes, did you have a great turkey? Man, we had the best turkey ever. Didn't we? Didn't we? Everybody's looking at me like, no. Yeah! Man, I, I brined it. I ain't never done that before. Brined it. Got a recipe. Gonna follow the recipe. Somebody encouraged me. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I have a Traeger pellets thing, and I want to do the thing in there. But I got to tell you something. Smoked turkey to me tastes like lunch meat. And I, I didn't want to, you know, just make sandwiches. I wanted to cook a really awesome turkey. And had a brother encourage me. You ought to brine it. So I brined it. I went down. I got the ingredients. We did a maple bourbon brine. Man, it was good. The lady at the store couldn't figure out why I needed a case of bourbon. I don't know, but I was just following. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I had a little left over, so I thought, today, today we're going to mix it up for Jesus. Amen. When, when we cut it, it, it would go, it, it was that juicy, man. It, it, was good. it was the best turkey I've ever had. Awesome. Okay, so, you know, you got steady. Literally means break a sweat. Break a sweat. You know what I've noticed when we're in trouble? Doctor says you've got, and you can't even pronounce it. Within 36 hours, most individuals not only can pronounce it, they can spell it. Not only can they spell it, they can tell you everything there is to know about it. They'll stay up all night. They'll break up every book they can find. They'll get on the Internet. They'll do the Google search. They study it. Can I submit to you that if you would go after the promises of God with that same intensity, you know, every once in a while, guys will come up and they've got big life changes coming. And we'll ask him questions like this. Well, what are you circling in prayer? And they'll say, I don't know. Well, then I don't know is what you're going to get. What are you going after in the Spirit? What's the promise you're standing on? What's the Scripture that you're building your life upon? If you don't have one, can I just tell you today that you can't really complain about what you end up with. You don't have the right to complain about that which you're willing to permit. Break a sweat. Correlation. The last one is application. Everybody say application. You know, this is what, this is what we're all wanting, right? We all want the application. But if you just jump to application and you don't go, you know, through the, if you don't follow the recipe, you end up pulling stuff way out of context. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds good. You know, when, when, when we were young, you know, isn't it funny that, you, that your favorite scriptures change over time? With, like with age, maybe with maturity. <laughs> but, you know, when we were younger, we used to, we made sure that all of our friends knew this one. Greet each other with a holy kiss. That way we could walk up to the young girls and say, do you believe the Bible's true? Don't you know that faith without works is dead? You know, uh, you pull it way, you know, well, I just want application. I just want to, I just want to see this produce in my life. No, that's the last part of the recipe. Application asks the question, what am I going to do with this personally? How's this word going to change the way I think or feel about finances, about marriage, about relationships? I think to help with application, there's this thing called the faith test. You can take any passage of Scripture and ask these five questions. One, is there a sin to confess? You know, when we read these verses that we read today, is there a sin? Probably there's some places where we've missed the mark. Uh, number two, is there a promise to claim? I, I don't know in this passage that we just read that there's a promise, but in, in many places there's a promise to claim, and we've got to go get it. Number three, is there an attitude to change? And I'll tell you what, I think there really is in this that we've read today. You know, I think there's some attitudes that we need to change. You know, he said, honor men like these. Uh, you know, wow, we need to change the way we think. Uh, is there a command Number four, is there a command I need to obey? How many understand that honor men like these is not a suggestion, is a commandment? We honor all kinds of people. We honor all kinds of people with all kinds of flaky stuff going on in the world. We put them up on pedestals. We look at guys in sports and guys in, in, in uh, you know, in money, guys in business, guys in, uh, you know, in music. And, and those guys are so not who we ought to be honoring. Number five, is there an example to follow? I think there's five of them. I think there's five things to challenge us to apply that to our life. And, and I, I believe that when you do that, I might need a little help here, Evan, because the microphone and the dilly bobber and the thingamajigger. But, you know, it is amazing. Yeah. You want to taste it? Just remember that. You said no. Okay. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes, you know, you look at what the Word says, and, man, it, it's confusing. It doesn't make sense. You try to break it down. But it just doesn't look like something you normally would participate in. You know what I'm saying? It just, that's probably good enough, huh? And, uh, and you get everything set just right, and, you, you know, you, you get that going, and you get this going, and you pray for the power, and, and, and you slide this thing around there. And uh, go ahead, just help me. Be my hands. Come in right here. Ready? Okay, wait, wait just a second. Let's see. Did you hear that? Yeah. Wow. Wow, don't be looking at those. Go sit down. 
and like father, like son. <laughs> yeah. Man, you ever heard that statement like a fat man chasing cake? That was about me, man. Just... You know, if you do it God's way, there's a verse, there's a verse that you ought to hear. Here, Ryan. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you follow the recipe, if you follow the recipe, the thing that you're going after, God can produce. If it's not being produced, don't tell yourself, well, I guess it doesn't work. No, tell yourself, I better get to work. I mean, it's kind of like buying a membership at the gym, thinking that at the end of the year you're going to be fit. No, you're just going to have less money unless you actually go to the gym. Huh? You know, buy a bicycle. Why? If you're not going to ride it. Right? You know, just like physically, you've got to, you know, you, you can't just, well, I believe in exercise. Well, not really unless you exercise. So you can know that exercise will make a difference, but if you don't have the discipline to exercise, knowing it, won't make a difference. You can know that you can have peace in your house. Deuteronomy 32, 18, My people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. Well, where's the peace in my house? When are you going to produce peace? There's a recipe for peace. If you don't follow the recipe, you don't get peace, you get chaos. Well, I'm supposed to have more peace than chaos. You can if you follow the recipe for peace. But if you put all of your ingredients into chaos, you can have financial breakthrough. You've got to follow the recipe. You can't just say I do. You've got to do. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate day and night. Break sweat. So that you can observe to do all that is written therein, then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Got to go to work, guys. Got to follow the recipe. Sometimes the gook of your life just looks like gook. That's what grace is. is a power above your power, an ability beyond your ability to take the end and create what God wants you to have. You've got to follow his steps. You've got to follow his steps. There's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the ends thereof are door stoppers. There's a way that seems right to you, but it doesn't produce what God promised. You've got to focus on the end and allow God to direct the way. Not get hyper-focused on the way, because you'll end up screwing up the end. Right? Follow the recipe. Close your book, bow your head, let me pray for you. Father, today I thank